I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. So today we have John Mayer, and we're going to be putting him up right now. He's a professional hypnotist, and we're going to learn a little bit about hypnotism. Let's hear. Hey, how are you? Doing good. I'm doing good, sir. Fantastic. Good to see you. And where where is the Jimbo Paris show out of? Where are you? Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. I am a uh, fellow East Coaster. I grew up in uh, southern New Jersey, but I'm in Salt Lake City now. So it's always uh, it's always good to see uh, some peeps from the East Coast. So can you begin by giving me a summary about yourself? Yeah, I began probably well over 20 years ago as I as a stand-up comic. I graduated from theater and film school, had a degree in screenwriting, but I found, fell in love with stand-up comedy and I was doing that professionally for for 20 years along the way. I had a couple of independent screenplays produced uh, into feature-length films and but I was always, you know, I was always fascinated by the mind and you know, about 10 years ago, the, the market of stand-up comedy, you know, began to take a very different in, different turn kind of in the end of the, you know, the beginning of the 2000s. And being fascinated by the mind, I began to study hypnosis and, and went on to retire from stand-up comedy and do a stage hypnosis show. And from doing a stage hypnosis show, I wound up growing a following on uh, on my YouTube channel of over 200,000 subscribers doing hypnosis and meditation content and which is what I currently commit myself to full time right now is is helping people be able to tap into the power of their mind the way that it uh, the way that it helped me and it's kind of a I mean it's a really different place from where I began as a stand-up comic hanging out and you know CD comedy clubs and CD bars and that sort of thing, uh, you know, telling jokes to, to drunk audiences. But I've found it far more rewarding and beneficial to be able to help people tap into the power of their mind. So that's what I am all about. That's what I do right now. And how do you help people tap into the power of the mind? It's allowing people to realize how the subconscious mind functions. And when they understand that and learn how they can actually access that, um, you know, through self-hypnosis, through meditation, you're, you're basically going from a beta brainwave state, which is what we're in most of the time. You're slowing those brainwaves down and you're entering an alpha and theta brainwave state, which allows you to tap into your subconscious mind. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you go in, it's like computer programming. You're, you're going in, you're deleting some code that doesn't work and you're putting some new code in that does work. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where once you begin to do it with a little bit of practice, you know, everybody can, can make it happen, you know, for themselves. I mean, we already go through a hypnotic state every single day on our own. It's, it's a state of a mind that we, you know, that we naturally access it's just, showing people how they can intentionally trigger that to, you know, make a difference in their life. How do you think that could actually make a difference in the world? This is just me playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. I, it makes a difference. And and this is kind of, you know, my philosophy, we, we, you know, we've heard for years about, you know, external threats to humanity. I mean, I grew up in the eighties and it was always the fear of nuclear war, right? There's this existential threat that humanity is going to be destroyed through nuclear war, you know, and, and, and this generation, we hear a lot about the existential threat of, you know, climate change. And, but I truly believe that the greatest existential threat to humanity isn't coming from the outside 
um, in, it's coming from the inside out. It's individuals, you know, not realizing that they can manage their emotional states. And, you know, we have, we live in such a connected world now where emotions can go viral and it's mostly anger, anger and frustration, bitterness, hostility can travel around the world in an instant just because of what we have, you know, for social media. And when we learn to be able to readjust our, the way that we realize that we can function our emotional states, it makes the individual become certainly much more centered, much more grounded, much more rooted in, in, you know, the connection of humanity, of, of decency and compassion and caring. And, you know, you do that with one and that one person is able to help somebody else who's able to help it to somebody else. And then suddenly you have an entire group of people that may have different ideas and, and, and different beliefs and different opinions, but because they understand the ability to connect with other people, that they're able to communicate and we're able to come together. And that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm passionate about doing. And where does this passion come from? Where was that? You know, it comes from, it came from my own experience. You know, I was at a point in my life, you know, about 10 years ago where I had gone through a divorce. I was a, you know, I was a single parent and dysfunctional relationships and not, not having, you know, I was steeped in my own anger issues. You know, my, my whole thing was as a stand-up comic and which is what I learned in film school, you know, all drama is conflict. So you're, you're not going to have a star Wars unless there's a Darth Vader and there's a death star and there's something at stake. So I took that when I was doing stand-up comedy, that all drama is conflict, which would be funny for me. So I was able to stand on stage and tell jokes, but I was telling jokes about the dysfunction of my personal life. And I, and I looked at my personal life and said, Hey, the more dysfunctional I am, the more jacked up it is, the funnier I could be on stage. And that made me incredibly unhappy personally. And I wasn't succeeding in the areas of the things that I wanted to do. I was honestly, I was kind of hopeless. I wasn't sure where things were going to go. And I was unhappy as an individual. And then I realized that, you know, that's all me. It's one of the things I tell people is, you know, the bad news is whatever you're going through, it's all you. It's all because of you. But the good news is whatever you're going through can all change because of you. And that's what I, you know, that's how it happened to me. My life is vastly different now than it was 10 years ago in, in so many ways. You know, my, you know, I, I just celebrated my fifth wedding anniversary with uh, my wife. We, you know, it took me three times, took me three marriages, but this is the one that like, once I got my stuff together, it, you know, it, it just all clicked and it all came together. So I found a level of personal happiness, a level of personal peace, personal success that benefited me and, you know, my family. And that's why I'm passionate about being able to you know, share that with other people. And, you know, the thing that I tell people is there's no right or wrong. There's only if something works or if it doesn't. So I put my content out there, like on my YouTube channel, I share ideas and concepts and things that work for me in my life. And if it works for somebody else, if they're able to receive that and they notice a difference, you know, fantastic. I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful to hear from the people that I do that say, hey, these ideas, these concepts changed my life. How does hypnosis make one more accountable? Well, you know, what it does is when somebody has the opportunity to realize that, you know, it's their thinking, it's their, you know, their programming. And 
again, that that can come from so many different places. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's somebody's fault because, you know, the way that they are, you know, they're, they're programmed. But when people can look at inside of themselves and realize that they can change themselves, then that's, you know, that's what makes the difference. Because, you know, so many times I hear from people we all hear from people that, you know, somebody else made them mad. Or if this person would simply behave this way, if this person would do this, if this circumstance would be this way, then I can be happy. And it's actually the complete, the other way around. It's not about what's happening out there. You don't need other people to behave a certain way. You don't need other circumstances to be a certain way. When you inside of yourself can come into peace and come into happiness, that's when it all comes together. So it's, it's, holding people accountable or letting know that they're accountable for their emotional states. And when somebody is opened up to that and they're willing to do the work and take a look at that and go through the process of saying, Hey, you know, I can make a shift for myself. Then it's all better for them that way. And how does one initially make that shift? How do you push them in that direction? Well, you know, obviously somebody has to, you know, prefer to make some type of a change or they're looking at something in their, in their life and they're going, you know, this isn't working out for me. And when somebody can just open that door up enough and they're willing to like with me, for example, like I never thought I could be hypnotized. I never had any concept of meditation, but when I started to do that, when I cracked that door just a little bit, you know, it opened so much up for me. Yeah, and I tell people it's like, you know, it's like going to the, the gym. You know, when you walk into the gym, if you haven't been there at all in your entire life, you know, you're not going to be able to lift this weight or deadlift this weight or run so far or whatever. But if you go in there and you do a little bit, then a little bit turns to a little bit more, turns to a little bit more. So it's just about initially, you know, taking that initiative to commit to the fact that, hey, you know, I want to explore this. I want to learn this. And then, you know, the and the cool thing is, is, once you begin to experience that, even on a small scale, and you begin to see the results, then of course it obviously that's a you just want to dive full in down that you know that down that rabbit hole. So it's just a matter of just saying, hey, I want to sit down in a quiet place alone and you know listen to a meditation, listen to a guided meditation, or listen to uh, you know self hypnosis, and that's something that somebody can do. You know that you just put on a program that can guide you through that. Um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of people that go, you know, and do one-on-one sessions. My wife works with, you know, with works with people one-on-one, but you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, they just prefer to, Hey, I can pull something up on my phone and listen and start right there. How does hypnosis work? The way it works is you've got your conscious mind and you've got your subconscious mind. And the statistic that I actually, you know, recently heard it's, it's, your conscious mind makes up for about 12% of your total brain power and your subconscious mind is responsible for about 88% of your total brain power. And, you know, the other thing that I heard about, if you look at in terms of, you know, computer information, your conscious mind is processing about seven to 10 bits of information per second. Whereas your subconscious mind is processing somewhere around 20 million bits of information per second. So there's a lot more going on in the subconscious mind than what's going on, you know, in the conscious mind, the conscious subconscious mind is our operating system. It's all of our programming. It's all of our ideas and thoughts and things that are connected together 
that tell us how to feel, how to behave, how to react. So what you're doing when you experience hypnosis, you're getting into the subconscious mind where you can actually make those things happen. Now, the, the, the challenge is, is that the subconscious mind is lazy and it doesn't like things to change. It's, it's pretty hardcore about how it wants to operate. And the analogy I use, it's like the bouncer at a nightclub with a red velvet rope who determines who gets in and who doesn't. So what you're doing is when somebody gets into a state of hypnosis, you're kind of distracting that bouncer with the red velvet rope. It's called the critical faculty. It's that division between the conscious and subconscious mind. It's that gateway. And you're opening that up to let somebody go right into the subconscious mind and then have access to those, you know, our connections, our beliefs. So you can just go right in there and say, instead of, feeling this way about this. Now you can feel this way about this instead of behaving this way. Now you behave this way. So you're in a, it's in a sense, you're kind of tricking the mind to be able to get in there. But once you get in there, there's a lot of things that are possible. And, and, you know, the cool thing about, you know, the subconscious mind is the fact that you can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. So it's like, you know, you're watching a movie and all you're feeling those, like if it's a horror movie or whatever, you're feeling those emotions, you're feeling that fear or how many times have we had a dream? And in the dream, no matter how bizarre something is in the dream, in that moment, our mind's accepting it as real. So that's the same thing that happens under hypnosis. When you go into hypnosis, your mind's accepting everything that it's receiving as a real experience and then will act upon it as if it's a real experience. That's what makes it so powerful. It's kind of like the, you know, the ultimate form of natural, real virtual reality. So how does someone actually get through that bounce? What are the different approaches? Well, you know, there's a lot of different things that a hypnotist, you know, do. There's not one particular approach or one, you know, particular technique. You know, there's, there's quite a few things that, um, you know, that can be done now. For instance, when I'm on stage, if I was doing a stage hypnosis show, for instance, when I, you know, uh, performed for uh, Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, you know, I had about five minutes, five to seven minutes, really, to be able to get a group of people hypnotized. So, you know, you think you have 20 people on stage, you got to move really quickly, you got to do, you know, work really fast. It's, you know, it's like throwing you know, mud up against the wall and seeing how much of that, you know, sticks. Now, when you work with somebody one-on-one, there's a feedback loop. You're able to kind of observe kind of what's happening. You're able to cater the approach and the style and the things, the techniques that are using, you know, to that individual. Now, when I'm doing things on YouTube, a lot of my content people appreciate to listen to, to fall asleep at night, or they, they'll listen to before they fall asleep. So I'm able to take what's called a, a progressive relaxation approach where you're, you know, you, you're, you're doing things to relax different parts of the, you know, of the body and the mind. So you can be a lot slower. You can be a lot more methodical about how you, you do that. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, it's not like a, a, an incantation, a spell with a script. You know, you say these exact words this way and, you know, the end result's going to be, you know, hip, hypnosis. But what it comes down to is knowing how, the, the things that you say, for instance, one of the, one of the things that's a, a really powerful hypnosis technique is they call it leading and pacing. So you might say to somebody, you know, you're sitting there in your chair and you're late, you're laying back and your eyes are closed. And now those are all things that if somebody would hear that, 
their mind is hearing, okay, yes, I am sitting in the chair. Okay, yes, I am leaning back. Okay, yes, my eyes are closed. So the mind is cre- you're, it's creating a yes set, right? It's, it's agreeing with everything it's saying. So once you get through those three things, you're sitting there in the chair, you're leaning back, your eyes are closed, and you're beginning to relax and open up your mind to the things that I'm saying. So it's the mind is going, yes, this is true. This, this is true. This, this is true. And then you, you throw in the hypnotic suggestion and then the subconscious mind just continues to go, okay, yeah, that must be true. I am opening up my subconscious mind to, you know, to receive suggestions. So, you know, you're, you're doing these things that it's, and essentially in ways you're, you're tricking the mind, you're tricking the subconscious mind. You're also distracting the conscious mind to be able to not necessarily pay as close you know, attention, like I said, you're, you're getting that bouncer with a red velvet rope to look away. So there's all these different things that a hypnotist will do, um, different approaches, different, you know, techniques and styles to, you know, it, there's not one size fits all. You know, when I'm putting my content out there on YouTube, essentially, I have to try to be, you know, one size you know, fits all. You're putting something out there for the entire world. Not everybody is going to receive what I do, but a large portion of people will be receptive to my style and, you know, and my approach. So. And what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about hypnosis? One of the big things is, is that people think, well, number one, a lot of people think, can I get stuck in hypnosis? Like if I get hypnotized, am I, is it going to be a comatose state? Am I not going to, you know, am I going to be able to get out of that? That's not the case. You're not going to be stuck in hypnosis. Um, a lot of people think that you're just turning over control to somebody else, the hypnotist. And that's, that's not the case either. Uh, you know, our minds are so deeply rooted in our, in our moral programming that if you were to hypnotize somebody and say, go rob a bank, Unless they're a bank robber, you know, they're not going to go rob that bank. So you can't be completely controlled and you can't stay stuck in hypnosis. Those are those are the two big things that people say about it or ask about hypnosis relative to any type of misconceptions. Speaking of people, how did you build your client base? How did you go from being a regular hypnotist to then having this now, a whole yeah. community of people. Well, it, And how does your audience additionally benefit from your position as a hypnotist as well? The, I'll, you know, the first part of that was kind of interesting because, you know, I'd spent 20 years doing stand-up comedy. So when I decided to, to train in stage hypnosis, a lot of people that do that, that are just starting out, probably they don't necessarily have a lot of stage experience. You know, you'll have some guys that might be magicians. I, there's a lot of people that are DJs or whatever. You'll have some people that, you know, they were hypnotists, you know, professional hypnotists, like with a practice and now they want to do a stage show. So for them, there's a lot of trying to figure out how this is going to work. Now, what happened for me is as soon as I trained in stage hypnosis, I was able to go back to all my entertainment contacts, the bookers, um, the managers, you know, the people that had, uh, you know, rooms and the agents and those, uh, the talent agencies. And I went back and said, hey, guess what? Instead of, you know, stand-up comedy, now doing a stage hypnosis show. So I had a really big database to be able to tap into to get myself shows. And so I was able to take off considerably doing my stage hypnosis show. And I went, and as I took off, I expanded my audience base because now it wasn't just comedy clubs or bars. I was doing high-end corporate events. I was doing universities and high schools and then Royal Caribbean Cruise Line. So that was able to kind of propel me, you know, in the stage hypnosis realm. 
then what happened from there was the big things a lot of hypnotists do after their show is they, you know, they sell their merchandise. You know, they, they've got stop smoking programs. They've got weight loss and all these different programs. Now, when I started doing it, CDs were still kind of a thing. So you would sell CDs after your show. But of course, you know, over the last, well, within the last 10 years, people stopped having CD players. It became, you know, an obsolete thing. So a lot of hypnotists were talking about, well, should we put these on MP3 files and sell thumb drives after the show? How can we, how can we sell our stuff? And my thought was, well, instead of selling the stuff after the show, why don't I put it on YouTube and then tell people in the audience, hey, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe to me on YouTube. And that began to build my subscriber base. But then at the same time, I developed an organic following, people who were on YouTube that were looking for, you know, hypnosis and meditation content. So it just organically snowballed. So it just kind of went from one to the other to the other and just kept compiling. And, this, you know, the second part of your question is, you know, and, and rephrase that second part of your question for me about how, you know, the audience base benefits. Yeah. Can your audience benefit from your show? Are you talking about the, the, the stage hypnosis show itself? Well, I'm talking about a lot of things like corporate events, those things. Yeah. Well, what you know, one of the big things from somebody, even if, if they're just if they're just watching the show as an audience member, one of the things that I do up front is, well, in order to have a hypnosis show, you deserve to have volunteers on stage. So you have to get volunteers on stage. So it's really important those first few minutes that I'm on stage to be able to let the audience know that they're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be really interesting to watch. It's going to be fascinating. But I also let people know, you know, I'll give them some things about this is what's going to happen when you come up here. You're going to be able to, you know, you're going to feel really good, Physically, because there's a lot of profound physical benefits that somebody can get from just being in hypnosis. You know, 15 minutes of hypnosis is like the equivalent to, you know, four or five hours of, you know, deep sleep at night. So your body can really benefit physically. And that's one of the things when I was on the cruise ship, as I would tell people, when you come up here tonight, you're going to have an incredible night's sleep. You're not going to have any issues sleeping. And every time I would say that, you could hear the audience, you know, they would kind of like, they were talking about it. That was like an interesting thing for them. That was reason enough for them to want to come up on stage. But the other thing that I would tell people too, is like, look, if you have a goal that you're looking to achieve, if there's something that you want to accomplish, when you come up here tonight at the end of the show, we're going to make sure that your subconscious mind is empowered to make that happen. So people now have a reason they feel motivated to go up on stage. And when I was doing the cruise ships, you know, I'm on the cruise ship for a whole week. It's not like I do the show and I'm, you know, I'm gone. People have the opportunity to interact with me through the week. And people would come up to me all the time and they would say, you're absolutely right. I had the best, you know, sleep of, of my life that I've ever had. Thank you for that. Now I'm more interested in finding out about how I can utilize hypnosis or meditation to have this continually happen for me. Or people would come up and I had one, one woman one time, she came up to me and she said, I'm a chocoholic. I eat way too much chocolate. That's my weakness. I'm here on a cruise ship. There's chocolate everywhere. So I thought if I came up on stage, you could help me stop eating chocolate. And she said, it's been four days since the show. And I haven't had any chocolate since. And my friends can't believe it. They're completely amazed. So I would give people reasons to come up on stage, things that would motivate them. And not only just in that moment, I mean, there they would have a beneficial experience from that moment, 
But now all of a sudden they're realizing, hey, you know, there's a lot more potential for me here. If I continue to go on and, you know, continue to practice hypnosis or, you know, practice um, meditation, there's, it could open up so many things for me. So that's how the audience members and the volunteers of my show, you know, my shows were able to benefit. And, and, you know, even people that didn't necessarily participate in the show, people would come up to me all the time, especially at corporate events, because everybody knew each other. People would come up and say, I work next to that guy every single day. There's no way that was fake. I can't believe what I just saw up there, but it really happened. And that's amazing to me. So it would create curiosity for everybody to explore, you know, what could be possible relative to their minds. And, if and this can, is yeah. And this is your uh, business tactic. It's inciting curiosity. You're sort of the man. You're sort of luring them in. You're attracting the audience. You're not going after them. Well, you know what? You know, it's it's kind of you know anything relative to you know when they talk about you know sales or marketing. It's you know you're making a promise and then you're following that up with a proof. And then, of course, if you're selling something, then the, the third P in that equation is price, right? It's it's promise, proof, and price. For me, it was making a promise to people, hey, this is what you can experience, and then they would see the proof of that. So, you know, that's basically you're letting people know. And, it, you know, it, and the thing about hypnosis and meditation, too, is it's been around for, you know, since the dawn of humanity, it's something that ancient civilizations had practiced and had an understanding of that I think we kind of lost track of. And then, of course, it kind of be began to become a thing in, you know, the 1700s with, you know, Fran, Franz Mesmer. And then, of course, um, James Braid, uh, the the Scottish surgeon in, you know, the, in the 1800s where like, so in the 1700s, it began to, people started to kind of explore and try to figure this out again. We have more understanding about it now. So it's not something that's necessarily new. It's, you know, it's, it's quite ancient, but people for that, for a lot of people, it is kind of a new thing for them. It's something that new that they're discovering. You know, I, I did a poll on my, on my YouTube channel a few months ago, asking people, you know, how long had they been meditating? You know, was it less than a year? Was it one to three years? You know, was it longer than that? And, you know, the majority of people, it was something within just the last couple of years that they began to explore and uh, experience. Now, of course, the thing is, is that once you kind of go down that road and you, you see the benefits and you realize the benefits, then people talk about that. You know, my wife, you know, my wife doesn't do any marketing or any advertising for for what she does. She works with people one-on-one. -on -one. It's all word of mouth. And people notice a change in other people. They notice that all of a sudden they're behaving differently in more positive ways. You know, a lot of the, you know, the, the drama, the dysfunction is, is gone. And so many people that my wife sees, it's because they know somebody that my wife worked with. And they saw the difference. And now they're like, hey, sign me up. I want to do that, too. And when you do all this, does hypnosis work for everyone? We all hypnosis is a natural operational state of the human mind. It's something that we are all, you know, designed with. Right. We we all we actually everybody experiences. It. I mean, you actually fall through a state of you pass through a state of hypnosis when you go to sleep at night or it's like you're trying to talk to somebody 
that's staring at their phone screen and they have no idea that you're trying to have a conversation with them, they're oblivious, you know, that's a form of, you know, of hypnosis. Now, intentionally triggering that state and intentionally accessing that state is very different. If it's something that somebody is open to, then they're, they'll be able to, you know, it might take practice. Some people, it might happen quickly and some other people, you know, they might have to develop it over a period of time. But, but then, you know, the flip side of that too is, you know, I did a show a few years ago and it was for a, it was for a local sheriff's department and we did the show and I'm calling for volunteers and, you know, they were, they were kind of a, they were kind of a rough and rowdy group and volunteers were, it was a little challenging to try to get some volunteers up on stage, but a lot of people were pushing. There was a woman who was the head of the county jail and they're like, you need to go up on stage and do this. And, you know, this woman decided to come up on stage, but she was like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. This is, I've never been hypnotized. This isn't going to work on me. And an hour later, she opened her eyes up and had no idea what just happened over the last hour. And everybody was pulling out their phones and they were playing back the video showing her what happened on stage. And she couldn't believe it. She was stunned. Now, it's an example of somebody that was kind of in resistance, but, you know, wound up being able to do it. Now, the thing is, is it's very different for somebody to sit at home and listen to what I do on YouTube versus being willing to come up on stage in front of a group of people and be hypnotized, you know, that way. So for some people, if they're in resistance to it, um, if, you know, they're, they're, they're really in their head, people are watching or I'm on stage, whatever the case may be, then it's most likely, you know, it, it's, it's not going to work for them, but then you have people that turn around and, you know, it's easier for them if they're in a one-on-one setting. But, but the thing is, is that once you begin to develop that ability, it becomes easier and easier and easier. So all people that have come up on stage that have been to, you know, hypnotists for one-on-one or they do regular meditation and they're always the ones that are able to go down really deeply, really quickly, you know, at the top of the show. What are some of your best client success stories? You know, what I would say, because I mean, I, I don't really work with people one-on-one. My, you know, my wife, um, she's the one that does that does works with people one-on-one, but, you know, relative to me, you know, you know, I, I read comments every single day, you know, on my YouTube channel where people will share with me how much they've benefited from you know, my, my programs, my meditations or my hypnosis, how much easier it is for them to fall asleep at night, how much they are able to reduce stress in their lives, um, how much, you know, that they feel more confident. So all, you know, these areas of the things that we think of as, you know, personal development or personal success, um, just the average everyday, you know, life things that a lot of people struggle with, um, I hear from people all the time that say, this helps me. So, you know, that to me is the greatest, what I say as far, you know, as a, you know, a success story or a compliment to me is hearing from people all over the world um, that tell me how they were able to benefit and continue to benefit from listening to, you know, my content. Would you consider yourself a family business owner? Well, probably, I mean, I'm, I am a small business owner. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, I own my own, you know, own my own business to be able to, you know, to do what I do where everything goes through. So, 
Yeah, I own my own company, so small business owner for sure, yeah. And when you do all this and you market and you draw in this audience, how did you cultivate or mix up that comedic skill within your hypnotism skill? That came in very handy when I was doing stage hypnosis because obviously you had to have an element of ability to be on stage. You had to have an ability to be able to kind of think on your, on your feet, which I was obviously able to do doing stand-up comedy and you had to kind of know what was funny. So those two things paired really well for my stage hypnosis show. Now the interesting thing that I did find when I started doing hypnosis as they call it the pre-talk. That's when you go up initially, you talk to the audience for seven to 10 minutes, warm them up, let them know that they're going to have a good time when they came on stage. And I found that when I leaned too heavily on being funny during that, that time period, you know, making a lot of jokes, the audience almost seemed a little bit intimidated by it. It was a little harder to get volunteers, you know, because when you're a stand-up comedian and you're on stage, you know, you kind of take this, you know, superior attitude that I'm the one up here. I'm the one that knows everything. I'm the smart ass. And I'm the one that's telling jokes. Don't mess with me. So I realized that when I was doing my pre-talk, I had to dial that back a little bit. You still want, I still wanted to be a little bit funny to make the audience laugh, but not over the top. And then of course, when you brought audience members on stage, you know, it was a thing where you didn't want to do anything that was going to, you know, completely, you know, embarrass them. You had to let people know that it was, you know, if you're up here, if you're participating, it's things that you're going to, you know, want to be able to, you know, experience. It was funny because I did have a guy one time after, you know, one of the cruise ship shows and he, he said, well, you know, you, you told people that they weren't going to be embarrassed. And I go, well, yeah, that's right. And, and he goes, would you rethink that? Because, you know, you're, there's people up on stage. And of course, people were doing goofy, silly stuff on stage. And I said, would you go up and do that? He goes, no, I wouldn't go up and do that. I go, so you didn't. Okay. These were people who were comfortable, you know, being up on stage and, you know, being silly, doing, you know, goofy stuff. So, but it's not going to be to the point where it's like, you know, somebody's completely mortified and they don't want to face people. So obviously if you're doing a, you know, a corporate event, you know, you have to be very careful because these people are going to see each other, you know, again on Monday or whatever the case may be. But now when it came to doing what I do relative to YouTube, you know, humor is not really a big part of that. My theater and film and my writing ability, obviously mashed up really well with that because I had experience on how to write and how to produce and how to edit and, you know, do all that sort of stuff. So that, that paired really well with, you know, me being able to do hypnosis, but not necessarily, you know, be funny. So, you know, there's, there's obviously, you know, you put yourself out there on YouTube and, and people are opening themselves up to, you know, receiving, you know, my guidance as far as going into their mind and, um, you know, being hypnotized. That's obviously something that, you know, you take very seriously and, um, you know, you don't make jokes out of that for people. So, you know, the stuff that I do on YouTube is not necessarily very funny um, because it has obviously, you know, a deeper meaning, which is interesting is my personal life. I mean, obviously I was a stand-up comedy for a comedian for a very long time. So I like jokes and, you know, I probably have kind of a, a dark sense of humor. Uh, sometimes, but you just kind of have to learn to compartmentalize that that stuff. How do you combat the hecklers? On 
those were only kind of a case when you were, when I was doing stand up comedy, not necessarily so much um, when I was doing hypnosis. And it was, and it was funny too, because it was one of those things when I was doing stand up comedy full time, my wife would say the favorite part of the show for her was when somebody did try to heckle me because it just became an excoriating experience for the people, you know, that were, that were trying to, you know, to heckle me. And, and, you know, it was because my stand-up comedy when I was doing it, like I said earlier, came from a lot of dysfunction in my personal life. So I kind of came across as, you know, this angry, you know, raging guy on stage, you know, a little combative. So of course, if somebody would heckle me, then, it would necess- never necessarily end well for, you know, for the, you know, for the people uh, seeing people get thrown out of clubs and stuff because, you know, they, they would get so upset when you're doing, you know, stage hypnosis, you, you're not going to be, you know, the rude jackass that you might be as a stand up comic, you know, you know, to people. But like, I, re- I remember one time I, I was actually, I was doing a corporate event and this is typically, you know, it would probably happen more so at a corporate event because you've got people sitting at tables together, um, hanging out, but there was an audience or a group of people that were talking quite a bit. They were being really loud. They were kind of disruptive to the show. And, you know, I, I told one of the volunteers on stage that I think she was supposed to be like the, um, you know, the fun police. And if there were people that were ringing, the show for other people she was supposed to. So here was this whole group of people that were talking in the back and had no idea the show was even happening. And then all of a sudden you had these people from the stage, these volunteers from the stage that walked down into the audience and just started harassing this one table and got them all to you know go up and, and you know throw them out. So it was kind of a it was an entertaining, you know, component to the show that you know that worked out fairly well. So and you know, obviously yeah. on YouTube, you know, you get hecklers there too. There's, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of trolls there. There's a lot of people that don't necessarily subscribe to what I do or believe in what I do or don't like what I do. You know, the most, most of my views come at night. So I'll wake up in the morning and I go, okay, well, let's see what people said overnight. And of course you open up the YouTube comments and, you know, there's always, there's always haters and there's always some angry people. And that's something that I have to take what I share with people and make sure I really apply it to myself as far as kindness and compassion, because that stand up comic side of me from back in the day, you know, would always want to get that last word in would always want to have some acid tongued response to something that somebody was saying. And, you know, I just deserve to be the antithesis of that now. So I don't engage with those people. A lot of those people get either blocked or their comments just get deleted. Which one do you think is more important, stage work or YouTube work? For me, I found it's what I do on YouTube. That's become, you know, far more of a priority and far more important to me. And, you know, it's it's more rewarding for me because, you know, putting on the show, the stage, you know, the stage work is great because, you know, you're there with a, a group of people and you're able to share something with them that, you know, will benefit them or make them laugh or feel good, you know, in that moment. But when it comes to being able to put myself out there to everybody on YouTube, that's far more rewarding because I'm reaching far more people and there's a much, you know, there's a much bigger impact. Now, have you ever, have you, have you ever done uh, meditation or experienced that? Yes, I've done it quite a bit. Thank you for us. And how was, how was, you know, what are some of the things that you've benefited from? How have you noticed a, you know, a difference for you from experiencing that? Well, me personally, 
Well, let's get into you first. What what okay. are some of the benefits specifically you've got? Well, you know, there's not only just mental benefits, being able to, you know, change your mind and, you know, your thinking and, and, and that sort of thing. But there's a lot of, there's tremendous physical benefits that people can experience from um, hypnosis and meditation. And the thing is, is they're, they're sister states of mind. A lot of people will ask me, you know, what's the difference between hypnosis and meditation? I mean, you are going from that beta brainwave state down into an alpha and, and theta brainwave state. So there's very similar things happening um, relative to the mind there. But what happens physically is that your body is experiencing, you know, a boost of dopamine and endorphins. So you feel really good emotionally. But the other things that happen as well is, you know, your body gets a boost of antioxidants. So you have this tremendous immunity boost that's happening, you know, to your, you know, to your body. And also, I mean, there was a really, really interesting study done a few years ago where they had taken women that had breast cancer and they were going to go through a severe course of radiation. So they broke the woman up, the women up into two groups. One group of women just got the radiation and that's, that's all that they received. The other group of women did the radiation, but they also meditated every single day. Now, one of the things that happens is when you go through chemotherapy, your telomeres can get ground down. And basically what your telomeres are is they're almost like the little plastic caps on the end of your shoelaces. And these are at the end of your chromosomes. They're a protective covering for your chromosomes. And, and when your telomeres wear down, I mean, that's an aging process. So at the end of your life, your telomeres are going to be so worn down. That's why you get old and you know, that's why you die. And one of the things that happened with people that go through chemotherapy is that their telomeres get wound down or ground down because of the, you know, the impact of, of the chemotherapy. What they found at the end of the study was the women who just went through the chemotherapy as expected their telomeres on their chromosomes were ground down. The women that went through the chemotherapy and also meditated on a daily basis, their telomeres remained intact and there was no wear on their telomeres. So we have this really powerful resource for our body that's able to keep us energized and healthy. And it just comes right from, you know, the experience of, of doing a meditation and or hypnosis every single day. So you have all these tremendous you know, physical benefits and people can utilize that to relax and calm down. You know, they're able to de-stress. And I hear that from a lot of people there, you know, people go through all these different kinds of experiences of anxiety just because of the, you know, the world we live in and they're able to tap into that part of themselves that allows them to feel more comfortable, that allows them to feel more relaxed. So those are all the things that have, you know, I've noticed a huge difference you know, in my ability to, you know, sleep and my ability to feel, um, you know, more relaxed, my ability to, you know, to feel healthier, but also in the things that you're trying to do, you know, achieving your goals. You know, if the, the mind can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not, when you start to input information into your, into your mind and your mind believes that you are somebody who has, you know, capable of achieving whatever goal or have a belief in themselves, you're going to be able to make that possible. So, you know, we have all these physical, mental, emotional, spiritual benefits from, from tapping into, you know, the resources of our mind that have been there with us the entire time. And what's the difference between hypnosis and meditation? The, 
what's happening is very similar. You know, you're going from a waking beta brainwave state. You're slowing your, your, you know, your mind down. You're going down to an alpha and theta brainwave state in hypnosis. You know, well, in a, in a meditation, you're looking to kind of clear your mind and not necessarily have a bunch of thoughts in there. When you're doing hypnosis, you're opening the mind up to put those, you know, those new ideas and those new thoughts in your mind. So on, on one hand, you can look at it. It's like, you know, meditation, you're turning the engine off. You're giving the engine a break, allowing it to cool down and relax. Hypnosis, you're turning the engine off. You're giving it a break, but you're also giving it an oil change and maybe fitting it with some aftermarket parts to give it an upgrade. And so which one do you think is most ideal for beginners? You know, either either one. If somebody's just starting out, we hear a lot of the words guided hypnosis, guided meditation, sleep hypnosis. A lot of them are interchangeable. So, you know, you're going to find programs on YouTube that maybe say it's a guided meditation or say that it's, you know, a guided hypnosis or it's a hypnosis meditation. Find something that you feel aligns with you. If there's something that you're looking to do and you say, well, you know what, I don't have an hour, but I have 20 minutes. I find a program that's, you know, 20 minutes long or 30 minutes long or whatever works. And you just start to experiment. You just find something that resonates with you that you're interested in and just explore it. I always tell people there's no right or wrong. There's only if it works for you. So experiment, take things, different programs for a test drive, different hypnotists. You know, there's a lot of people that tell me, they love me. They don't listen to anybody else. There's people that tell me they hate me and they would never listen to me. And they only listen to other people. So it's just what works for you. So that's what I always tell people, you know, if you're looking to do it, it's not a mystery. It's, it's not that hard. It's, it's an easy thing to, you know, to tap into. So just pull up a guided meditation and follow along and listen to it and just keep doing it, work your way up to bigger things. And what do you think about the difference between regular and guided meditation? One is better than the other. And it's just, it's up to the individual. It's what works. I, you know, there was a, a time that I never would have believed that I could sit in the lotus position in complete silence and not move for 30 minutes and have it be an incredibly euphoric and powerful experience. But about, you know, about a, a little over, well, probably a year and a half ago, I committed to wanting to wanting to do meditation. So for me, but there, but there are times as well. It's like if I, if there's a a subject matter that I'm looking to address, there's something I kind of want to get fired up in my subconscious mind, then I'll listen to a, you know, a you know something where somebody's talking me through something. Somebody you know where they're walking me through a process or they're sharing hypnotic suggestions that my subconscious mind is is going to to pick up. So they have kind of different purposes. I mean, they both will allow somebody to relax. They're going to allow you to feel really good. You're going to have those emotional states. Um, one is just you're flying solo with nothing coming into your head. The other one is somebody would be speaking to you and, and guiding you along. And when you did all of this, what's one piece of advice you would give to yourself, your younger self, in your position that you're in now? Like if I could travel back in time I, and find myself in high school, I would say start learning this stuff and applying it and doing it right now. Not necessarily an angle as far as a career, but just in your personal life, learn to meditate, 
and reap the benefits. And what's one piece of business advice you could give to all the entrepreneurs listening? This is something that comes, this is kind of personal for me because when I was a kid, my father worked for the family business. My father worked for his, his grandfather's grandfather had a very successful, it was, I don't want to say construction company. My father was a welder, but they were a welding company. But my father at the same time was a very talented musician. He loved big band music. He played the drums. He was a fantastic singer. He had his own big band orchestra and he would go out and play on the weekends. But in my father's mind, a real man was somebody who worked 40 or 50 hours, 60 hours a week at a job that he hated so he could provide for his family. And the things that you like to do, like music or entertainment, or that was just a hobby. You don't ever consider doing that seriously as a profession. And I saw how unhappy my father was living that way. And when I was about 12 years old, I discovered his Super 8 millimeter movie camera. This was back before we had... VHS cameras or anything on our phone. And I was fascinated by wanting to make movies with my, you know, my dad's camera. And as I would do this, I realized I actually had a pretty good knack for it. And it was something that I wanted to go on to graduate high school. I wanted to go to film school. And I said to my dad, what do you think about me making movies? And my father said, I think it's another one of your stupid childish ideas. So my father told me this when I was like 13 years old. So I had two things going for me. I didn't want to wind up like my father. And I was going to prove to my father that he was wrong, that I could do something he told me I couldn't do. So I went on. I went to film school. I graduated. was able to, you know, I still write screenplays. I've had stuff produced. You know, I still do other video production stuff outside of, you know, outside of my YouTube channel if it's something that is of interest to me. So I just tell people, you know, If you want to do it, if it's something you're passionate about, nobody can tell you otherwise. Do what you want to do and don't believe anything else anybody tells you, you know, unless it's something that, you know, you can take as valuable information that's going to inspire you. So that's the most, and that's what I tell my kids. I will be the first person, whatever you want to do, I will be the first person to say, hey, let's figure out a way for you to do this and encourage you um, to make sure that, you know, you can do it if you're you know, it's the cliche, but it's, we hear it. If you're doing something that you love, then you're never working a day in your life. And that's really what it's about. It's about doing what you love, being able to earn a living at it and enjoy doing what you do. And, and, you know, if you can help other, you know, if it's a process where you're helping other people, you know, along the way, then it makes it, you know, it makes it even better. So always believe in yourself and hypnosis and meditation can help with that. And when you talk about, Believing in yourself. How does one accomplish? It's what you have programmed into your, you know, your subconscious mind. That's really what it is. It's, you know, if you have confidence or if you don't have confidence, it's all the result of the wiring that's happening inside your head. And it came from someplace, from somewhere. And that's the thing about the subconscious mind is that we don't necessarily we don't necessarily know where something came from. We don't know how something got there. Now, for me, when I was a kid, hearing my father tell me that he thought something I wanted to do was a stupid idea and that I couldn't do it. Well, that, you know, that moment created enough anger or pain or frustration in my mind that that got linked up pretty strongly in my mind. And 
my goal was to set out to prove my father wrong. And that was a drive, you know, that was a drive for me. But then, you know, the, the, you know, people, for example, you know, I'll talk to people that have had bad relationships, something happened, you know, they want to have a loving romantic relationship, but things keep going south. And, you know, you trace that back to, they had an experience where they were in love and, and they, you know, they got hurt and the subconscious mind says, man, relationships equal pain. So if we find ourselves going down the road where we're going to get in a relationship, we're just going to sabotage that so we don't have to experience pain later on. So it's all stuff that's in our mind. You don't necessarily have to know where it came from, but if you're able to acknowledge, well, this is what I think. This is my patterns of behavior. This is what I do. Okay, well, what would be the opposite of that? And then you focus to you know, make those changes with your mind, you, you know, you're disconnecting one association and emotional state and you're reconnecting something that's more empowering for you. I really like this interview. Can you please give me some final words that you'd like to give to the audience? Final words is your mind is this incredible power source. And a lot of it is, is untapped. I mean, a lot of it's tapped that, works against us in some ways. Um, but when we kind of realize how that balance of power can happen in our mind, we can make profound changes and have the experience of physical reality that we're looking to have that we create inside of our, you know, our minds first. So I would encourage everybody to, you know, explore meditation, explore uh, hypnosis, go to my YouTube channel. You can subscribe to me there. I've got a, you know, a ton of content on there of different lengths of, you know, different, different themes um, that somebody can experience. So I would, I would love it if they would check me out there on YouTube. Okay. I'm Jimbo Paris. This is the Jimbo Paris show. Thank you again. Thanks Jimbo. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris show. 